0: Bammers is sponsored by Dead Soxy. Best damn socks in the world. Period. Be honest. Have you ever prayed during a football game?
1: Injuries are one thing, but when things get tough, Have you called upon the power of God to steer the battle in your team's favor just for a little taste of football glory?
2: I'm not a big fan of of saying that God determines winners and losers. I know people who pray for outcomes of games. I think God will bless the people that are involved in that game. I think he'll protect us from from getting hurt, you know, if that's your prayer. But I I think God's got a lot bigger things on his plate.
1: Faith plays a big role in football at every level. Pre-game and post-game team prayers are commonplace. Players often cite their trust in God to give them strength or protect them as they compete in a dangerous game. You hear it just about every game. First and foremost, I want to thank God.
0: You know, first and foremost, all glory belongs to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, all things are possible.
1: It's still a go-to opening line in interviews, acceptance speeches, recruitment announcements, and elsewhere in college football. But what role can a fan's Christian faith play in cheering for their favorite team? football and faith don't seem mutually exclusive a healthy portion of the south blends deep love for religion and football should those lines ever intersect at least beyond when fans pray for those injured during play and beyond that does football ever take the place of faith for diehard fans whose happiness might depend on the outcome of an alabama football game for wesley james a 31 year old mississippi native who lives in hoover A spiritual journey saw his own football fandom challenge his relationship with God and his Christian faith. So he did something about it. And it might seem pretty extreme. I'm Ben Flanagan. Welcome to Bammers. In 2014, Wesley James decided enough was enough. He'd let Alabama football go. After years of letting his autumns revolve around the Crimson Tide, a tradition he'd shared with his father and brothers for decades, he was done. He skipped the entire season when Nick Saban led the team to another run at a national title, which ultimately fell short in the first-ever college football playoff semifinal. James missed it. He watched some college football that year, but not Alabama. He needed a break.
3: You know, I think that year was good good for me. I think it really did help me really decrease my love for it. It was really came down to to the emotional response, like how does this affect my heart?
1: Apparently, a lot. At least enough to eliminate it from his life completely, even if that meant alienating an inner circle of loved ones who couldn't fully comprehend the scope of his conviction. He wanted to come face to face with a struggle that he called the idolatry of college football. Growing up a Bama fanatic, James kept the pace in college even during the Mike Shula era. The natural science and chemistry major never missed a game during his junior and senior years, home or away. Simply put, Alabama football meant more to him than his Christian faith. Or maybe it didn't. Either way, he had
3: to be sure. It can be anything that that we make it, sports and and college football, a good gift from God intended to be used for the glory of God but just like anything else you know we often sin when we take the good gifts of god and turn them into a god themselves or we love the gifts of god more than the gift giver
1: this includes money work and other material possessions all of which he stresses are good things christians can often love more
3: than god himself we're all sinners our hearts are are idol factories and it happens with all kinds of sports and in, in all different areas i just think that In the South, um, especially in our state, uh, in Alabama, one of the more evident idols is college football.
1: This led to a pretty common practice among Christians and most religions, a choice to fast from something he loved. James would fast from Alabama football. He skipped the entire 2014 season. After nearly 30 years of going to some and watching just about every game, he removed all of it. He gave it up. The choice confused his family, to say the least.
4: The initial rush was, um, you know, you were surprised.
1: This is Lauren James, Wesley's brother and an orthopedic surgeon who also lives in Hoover.
4: You're allowed to be passionate about things. I mean, otherwise, why are you here? Um, And, and, you know, if, if there's things that elicit an emotional response, you know, that's, that's normal. It's, if it's not eliciting an emotional response, then it doesn't really mean anything to you. And, and it was kind of like he felt bad for for having something that he was passionate about other than, you know, his relationship with Christ.
1: But Lauren calls that selfish behavior on his and his family's part—an emotional response to his brother's choice. It took some time to settle in. He would break family tradition, something that bound them as a group, even when things got awkward, as they do in every family.
4: We don't see him that much. It was one of the only times, you know, where we really all got to get together as a family and see him, and so it really took away from that, but I think the two main things were just, he was always so passionate about it, we grew up loving it, it was something that he he always enjoyed and really was an important part of our lives, sports in general, but especially, you know, Alabama football, and to see him just kind of give it up, it was obvious he was conflicted about it, it wasn't like it was an easy decision for him, it was obvious it bothered him, and so it, it just kind of affected from that standpoint.
1: It didn't totally surprise them. They knew what Wesley's faith meant to him. They valued his morals and were proud of his devotion.
4: This will sound kind of crazy, but you know, all, all families have things come up. Uh, nothing's ever perfect and we're no different. Once some of those things happen, things aren't really the same. I mean, you can act like they are, but they're always kind of hanging around. and They're always kind of there. And, you know, as it, crazy as it seems, the one place where all that kind of went away with those games, and it, it may not have been that way before you walked in the stadium, it may not have been that way for You know, after you walked out of the stadium, but for those three and a half or four hours, everything just kind of went away, and it was like none of that junk had ever happened. And, and, you know, it was just like things used to be, like you didn't have a care in the world, and and like the good old days. And When he made that decision, I mean, the initial rush was that we kind of lost all that.
1: Wesley felt it, too. He knew it shocked his family, but he chose to even use that
3: as a platform to share his conviction with them and his friends. I think their understanding... You know more and more, and I, I hope that it's challenged them um, in, in some of their, you know, convictions about the game, and you know that's that's my hope is you know if God can use you know what He's doing in my life to affect someone else, then uh, praise uh, praise Him for that. In the grand scheme of things, watching eighteen to twenty-two year olds play a game has no effect on my eternity whatsoever.
1: Others in Alabama with a closeness to the game insist that they'd never put football, or anything else for that matter, ahead of their personal faith.
4: I knew better than to put anything before God.
1: This is Kelvin Kroom, a former Alabama football player under Paul Bear Bryant and now the senior pastor at College Hill Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa.
4: Whether it be my family, uh, my job, my personal accolades, certainly Alabama football. I always kept God as the number one entity in my life. That never was a problem for me. I realized it's just the game, the game that some of us are blessed to play. I was blessed to play it for six or seven years, and then abruptly, my career ended October 28, 1975. But thanks be to God, he took away a leather football and gave me a leather Bible and called me into the ministry, and so... I'm winning souls for him. I still score touchdowns every time through my ministry, my testimony.
1: For local radio host Ryan Fowler, another diehard Crimson Tide fan who professes his allegiance four hours a day during the afternoon on talk radio, nothing comes close. In fact, he ends each broadcast with the same line. The only way to win the big game, the game of life, is to walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
2: I mean, I, I love Alabama football. I mean, I, I enjoy covering it. I enjoy watching it, but it's not really comparable to my faith. It's just not up there. I mean, I, I cannot understand, you know, how somebody would sort of put Alabama football above their faith. But I guess if, if they certainly do that, then I mean, who am I to judge them? I mean, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that, that would tell us that, that, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. I mean, cause it's really in, in one sense, it's putting a God before, I, you know, the, the your faith. Sometimes, I mean, I hear people that it's their top priority in life. And, and like I said, it's certainly important to me because it's the way I make a living. It's something I enjoy. But I don't know if I could put it in the same category as my faith.
1: The idea that someone would fast from Alabama football seems like a foreign concept to most. Even local preachers in Alabama's backyard.
3: You know, our church tends to keep things in perspective. You know, we have a lot of Alabama fans.
1: This is Penny Ford, pastor at Trinity Methodist Church on Bryant Drive, literally right down the street from Bryant-Denny Stadium.
3: It's a game, and it's a fun game, and the really nice thing about this particular game is that it brings together a lot of folks from a lot of different backgrounds, with a lot of different opinions and a lot of different perspectives. I don't think football is such a bad thing. Are there people who lose perspective? Of course there are.
1: The idolatry James is talking about is obviously much bigger than a mere love for the game. ESPN radio host and once a longtime Alabama resident, Paul Feinbaum says he sees an unprecedented obsession in the game now, particularly in Alabama's current head coach, Nick Saban.
4: I covered the last two years of Coach Bryant, and I've covered every day of Saban, from up close and from some distance, and I've never seen more blind devotion to one person in all the years of covering college football. And, and I and I say that only because on that rare occasion when I have found myself disagreeing or criticizing Saban, that's how I measure it.
1: Feinbaum gets daily calls, emails, tweets, and more, a lot of which get nasty, especially if he has the nerve to do anything other than heat praise on
4: Alabama's coach. I don't know as much about the religious aspect of it, but I, mean, I, I really do wonder if Nick Saban likes made a proclamation that everyone do something would they do it i think they would i think he's easily the most powerful figure this state's ever had
0: stick around for more bammers step into fall in style you really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes this is the first step in dressing for the job you want not the job you have from no shows to the boardroom or you just want to showcase your own style Dead Soxie has your feet covered. Go to deadsoxy.com and enter the code BAMMERS at checkout to receive 25% off all orders.
1: His mother Baptist and his father Catholic, James says he grew up in a nominal Christian home. His parents compromised and took him to a local Methodist church just a few times a year. Easter, Christmas, in his words... They
3: were going through the motions. To be honest, really, God was not in our family. I would have told you I was a believer, like many in our culture do, but I was a Christian in name only. And I didn't grasp the gospel. You know, I was self-righteous and thought that, you know, my works were were earning me salvation. I didn't grasp the depth of my sin and my need for for Christ and, and what he's done for me until... I, I say 2009 is when I was baptized, so really about this time uh, that, that all these these convictions started.
1: Raised with good morals, he says he had a traditional understanding of Christianity, building a lot of self-righteousness within. Shortly after moving to Birmingham in 2008, he felt a sea change after a sermon delivered by a pastor named David Platt at the church at Brook Hill in Birmingham.
3: I felt kind of like I got kicked in the stomach in a good way. felt conviction so I heard the gospel just this repeated, like, you're a sinner, but God loves you, and by his grace, you know, he has sent Christ for you, and there's nothing you can do to earn salvation, not through your work, but through the work of Christ's death and resurrection, that you were forgiven and counted righteousness by faith and not by your works. And so it took a year, a year and a half of getting that drilled into my head that finally, you know, in two thousand nine is when I really recognized that that I grasped it in my heart and and you know that's when I decided you know to you know really follow follow christ in in faith and obedience and and so you know that's when most of my life transformation has occurred since two thousand nine and so that's kind of my spiritual journey
1: then Platt's words really changed things this time in a way that would change his life and affect his closest friends and family for good. In 2013, not long after the famous kick six Iron Bowl, when Auburn defeated Alabama on a last second field goal return, Platt shared a hypothetical that tested the perspective of football fans in the room. He told them to imagine you live in a foreign country and you spend the week in Alabama. You visit a church one Sunday morning, notice folks waltzing in lazily, they sleepwalk through the start of the ceremony, They sing the songs with muted expressions, rustle and fidget during the sermon, and quickly walk out at the end of the service. On their way out, they talk with members about something that happened the previous day, during which they laugh and smile, and gleefully look ahead to another ceremony coming up next Saturday. During the week, the members hardly talk about the Sunday ceremony, but happily drive an hour or two away from home on Saturday, when they also eat and
3: drink laugh and play all day, even with complete strangers. You've never seen any community like this. And when the time comes, tens of thousands of them enter a shrine together, and they raise their voices with passion, and they, they applaud these young men playing a game on the field, and, and people shout and sing and, and lose their voices. They never look at their watches. and They're engulfed in this experience that they see in the game. When the ceremony is over, especially if if your team won, then the celebration goes on. It goes into the night.
1: Platt then asked the congregation, if you were a visitor, which would you identify as the religion that was most important to these people and most excites and consumes them? That just about did it for James. Ever since that sermon, he says his conviction has been steadfast. It all culminated for him at the 2013 Kick-6 Iron Bowl.
3: I thought about that game for weeks after it, and still, you know, <laughs> it still leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. And not being able to get it out of my head for for weeks and, and just, like, thinking about it a lot, I was very convicted, like, this was a problem.
1: He still loves college football. He still loves the Tide. But even as he continues his support of his favorite team, he won't soon escape the thought even while sitting and cheering in the stadium? It always comes back to the same question.
3: Do I get more joy out of watching football on Saturday than I do worshiping Jesus on Sunday? Like, that is a convicting question. (laughs) You know, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and all our, our mind. And so what dominates my thoughts during the week? You know, am I thinking back to the game? Or am I thinking about the upcoming game? Like more than I think about God and the gospel during the week, what what dominates my thoughts? Am I talking more about football or am I talking more about Jesus and the gospel people in my relationships? How do I spend my money? Do I spend more on tickets and team apparel than I do, to, you know, giving to the church and to the, the poor and the needy? And do I spend more time watching and reading football, reading articles about football than I do, you know, in the word and in prayer? After
1: some time, his family gained understanding of his journey.
4: If that's what he needs to be comfortable with his relationship with Christ, then regardless of, of what we think, you know initially, then that's what he needs to do. And you know once you thought about it a little more, obviously, I mean, a football game should never come ahead of your relationship with Christ.
1: Lauren James says his brother's conviction even gave him pause about his own fandom.
4: There's no doubt it made me stop and think, i'll admit that i probably take it a little too seriously anyway i think i probably put a little too much into it like a lot of people in the south probably do and so i mean it definitely made me kind of step back and and kind of reevaluate things and and you know since that time you know i've also had a son and so you you start gaining more perspective when other things start coming into your life about what's really important and what's not Now, i will not say i'm still not a fan and i still don't get emotional about the games because there's no doubt i do and that had not changed a lot, but I think the, the amount of time that you let it kind of stick with you and stay with you, I, I do think that I've tried to change some of that You know, after all of this came about.
1: Since that time, it's been an up and down journey for Wesley James. While he says he's had a lot of victories as a result, he continues to struggle with it. Alabama's current run of dominance in college football has made the journey more difficult, putting a little more stress on every game. He says that if the stakes weren't as high, this intense desire to win would diminish.
3: I won't say that I've always used those moments where I desire to watch Alabama football and, and it stopped me to, to make me pray. Um, I wish I had utilized it better. Uh, it was beneficial. It made me understand and, and realize that you know this really is just a game and it, it has no effect on my eternity and, and it shouldn't dictate my emotions as much as it has in the past. You know, it's something I would strongly consider doing again. And, you know, it's something I would, you know, encourage people to consider. If, if they deal with, with some of the same things that I've described um, that I've dealt with in the past as far as emotions and, and, you know, the things of the heart, then, yeah, I would say it was, it was definitely fruitful for me spiritually.
1: Thank you to Wesley James, Lauren James, Ryan Fowler, Penny Ford, Kelvin Croom, and Paul Feinbaum. Join us as we continue our deep dive into Alabama football's fascinating fan culture. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: Tired of dress socks that won't stay up? No shows that slip in your loafer? Dead DeadSoxy has applied its patent-pending technology to ensure you don't have to experience either of those issues. You really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. Visit DeadSoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y dot com. And enter the code BAMMERS at checkout to receive 25% off all orders.